the question for this week is, what is the point of this church? You know, this is an important question right now for life that I feel like God has been putting on my heart to share with people. What's the point of your life? If you can't answer the question, it's really hard to live into that. You need to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Where are you going towards? Well, the same can be said for a church, right? A church needs to go know where they're going. And many lose their way because they don't know where they're going. So our hope today is that we can articulate clearly what the point of this church is. And these are conversations we always have, but it's always important to come back to these conversations so we can really focus. There was a guy in uh, China, Jack Ma. Wow, how do you know? Founder of Alibaba. Yeah, it's, so, it's almost kind of like what they, I would compare it to is like the Amazon before Amazon. So he, he started it in China. So if you even learn a little bit about, about his life, he has like a very interesting story. So like he was not the smartest in anything, but uh, and even, so he actually, uh, he was a school teacher. Um, he applied for other jobs to make more money. So he applied for the police. He got, I think five people applied, four people got accepted. He was the only one who got rejected. He applied for um, Harvard. 10 times, he got rejected 10 times. I know, this man was persistent. Uh, he tried for KFC, and he, got for, he didn't get hired by KFC. He tried for the police academy, didn't get it. And so he worked as um, a teacher, and during that time, he saw this avenue where the digital world was going. He was 1998, 1999, and he was like, I, he sees the world going to the World Wide Web. So that was his heart. So him with 18 people came together and they started working on this thing that we know today as Alibaba. And what's interesting is it doesn't take a lot of people. It took 18 people with kind of a common focus and Alibaba became basically the Amazon of China before Amazon. And he went from being a nobody who was rejected, you hear how many things he was rejected from, to now he's the wealthiest man in Asia from nobody to literally the wealthiest man in Asia. So it made me think when a group of people can have a focus, and it doesn't have to be a lot, when a group can have a focus, they can accomplish a lot. And if you read, if you, I, guys, I like reading about stories like this because it just inspires. You read about their story, there were moments they were bankrupt. They had to borrow money, but they continued with their focus of what they believed what they had was good. So I, this question is an important one. Where are we going together? And even if you're not here with us always as a church, like I know some of y'all are like other places, and that's fine. Think about that. When you're at the church that you're at, what is the point of that place? Because if you want meaning in the place you go, you have to know what you're doing. The church has to know where it's going. So I ask that as a group for us to think through together. What is the point of our church? Where are we going? Here's where I think God is leading me today. I think, um, what is the point of this group of people? Okay? And it's an important one. We want to growth. Okay, I wrote it wrong. We want to have growth <laughs> and change. Okay? I, I wrote first, we want grow. We want to grow. <laughs> and then I changed it. So we want to have growth and change. I think growth and change are necessary for any church. And that should be a desire of ours. Too many keep coming to church and being the same. Can you agree with me? 
It's like nothing changes. How you were when you were 10 years old and you accepted Jesus is how you are when you're 30. How you are when you're 30, nothing changed from 30 to 60. People are acting the exact same, even sometimes getting worse. We're growing the wrong way or changing the wrong way. But when I think about it, I think about it like a plant where we're slowly, we're, there's a seed that was put in in our hearts where we love God. And that love becomes these disciplines. And these disciplines become these actions. And these actions become this transformation in our communities and our homes. And we're like this fruit. We're like this plant that grows. Growth, I think, is an, an, an important part, especially when you come here. I want you to think, I want to grow. I want to challenge myself to grow. Because it is so easy to be complacent. Can you agree with me on that? It's so easy not to do anything different. And even if someone pushes you, it's like, oh, that's for somebody else, or I don't have time for this, or I can't. But I want to encourage you, you have to in your mind say, I want to grow and become more and more the image of Christ. We look at the verse that we started with, and it's Philippians chapter 3, and Paul's writing and saying, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it or have reached the goal. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? What is he saying in this verse? I want to hear from y'all. We're forgetting what's behind. We haven't reached anything yet, but what are we doing? We're straining towards what's ahead. We're straining towards what's ahead. When you think of the word straining, what do you think of? Effort. We're struggling, right? Like straining involves struggle, effort, and pain. Can you agree with me? Right? So we look at a, a strained muscle. Have you heard of that? You know what a strained muscle is? And what they say is it's overstretched to the point of it tearing. Right? And so he's saying, Paul is saying, I'm straining myself towards the call that God has for me. This is what mature Christianity looks like. We are, we are in this world straining towards things here. He's saying he's straining towards something there. Can y'all agree with me? He has an upward focus. We have, you know, a lot of the strain that we have is we bring it on ourselves. I want to build a bigger kingdom here, so I strain. Right? And that causes struggle and stress and anxiety because I'm building something here. But he's saying strain towards something better. Right? I'll give you an example of this. And I've said this story, but I like this story, so I'll say it again. So one of my students, uh, uh, he was taking a test. And um, he was sitting in the back of the room. And while he's taking the test, he looks straight at his hand, and he writes. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, you know, like, at least be a little discreet about it. <laughs> like, come on. So I go back there, and before young me used to be like, all right, ever, he, maybe he's accidentally doing, but now I know people are cheating. They're trying to cheat. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. They're trying. So I go, and I say, excuse me, sir, let me see your hand. And he's like, he, so he was like, why, Mr. Thomas, why do you need to see my hand? I was like, let me see your hand. And he shows me his hand, and all of the formulas on the exam are in his hand. I said, like, what are you doing? And he's like, how did that get there? <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> this has to be a joke. 
And so I made him like take some hand sanitizer and I gave him another version of the test and I said, you can take it up to a 70 because a zero will ruin your grade. You won't get to pass and I'll have to see him again. So I let him retake it. And the next day he came to me and he said, Mr. Thomas, let me explain. And I was like, okay, you got everything. I don't know what you're trying to explain right now. But he started explaining. He's like, you know, when I was in the period before your class, I fell asleep and my hand was out like this. And somebody wrote the formula on my hand. And I, and I told him, are you kidding me? You, you struggled the whole night coming up with that lie. <laughs> I didn't say that. But he literally was like, why? Why was that the best you could come up with? <laughs> but I say that story because that's how we are. That's a funny version of how we act. We do all of these things in this world for this world. We're struggling. We're struggling. We're struggling. And God is like, I don't need you to struggle for all those things. Like Paul with the maturity struggled for something better. It's not just about growing in your job. It's like, are you serving God there? That's where you should be struggling. It's not about, I know we have people in educational programs. And it's not just about, am I struggling to pass my class? But am I glorifying God there? And we have weddings coming up. And that is a strain. I can see it from afar. It is hard. We've gone through the process. But it's recognizing this is just an earthly struggle and it's, am I glorifying God in this process? That's where the real strain and the real growth should be. So I want to encourage you, one of the goals of this church is growth. Like everybody constantly should be growing themselves in God. So I want to encourage you, strain is necessary because strain brings growth. You know, at, like even in a workout, imagine, like you're lifting weights. You know what, what lifting weights is? You're literally straining a muscle and extending it past its limits so that it breaks. But guess what happens when it reforms? It strengthens. It's a stronger version of itself. So recognize as you strain in God, as a strain towards the things of God, you strengthen yourself in your walk with God. So let me encourage you. Our church, and I hope in your personal life, you want to strain towards God. I'm going to give you one particular area that we can focus on as a group together. One thing I've learned is there's so much of Christian life that we need to grow in. Can you agree with me? But one that I think we can grow on together is this. It is uh, our character. So character is this interesting thing. If you look up there, there's... Every person has their own character. Can you agree with me? Some are quiet. Some are in a rush. Some are happy. Some are stubborn. Some are nosy. Some are messy. Some are Mr. Perfect. But every one of us have a character. And what I want to encourage you is your character is worship to God. So don't let yourself be how you are now. Strain yourself to the image and the character that God needs of you. We're going to read in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, and it says, And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing our trials and tribulations bring about perseverance. And perseverance proves character, and character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because of the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. And what we recognize is whatever God allows us to go through, the tribulations grows us. It grows our perseverance. And our perseverance grows our character. God is very interested in your character. 
how you are. You know, the word character, if you think about it, is really it's the sum of who you are. Like if you could use words to describe you, what would people say? That's what I want you to engage with. And as a church, my hope is that you're engaged with that so that you begin to look more and more and you strain in that. That you stop being the way that you are. There are certain things that you're just naturally like that. Maybe you are impatient. And God is saying, I need you to be aware of that and grow yourself. It's a strain. It's a, it's a struggle because that's how you always have been, but strain towards better. So some of the qualities that God wants us to be are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And these are, do you all know what these are called together? The fruit of the Spirit. I like how you said that even though I just spit. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning what? All of these work together. The more kind you are, the more patient you will be. Right? And the more gentle you are, the more self, the more, uh, I don't know, peace you will have. All of these work together. By the way, I added one more. This is my selfish one I'm adding, but humility. I think humility is another character that I think the church is lacking today. And so we're going to go through each one and what they mean, um, and then we'll go from there. So what is love? It is being self-sacrificial, right? You sacrifice yourself for the sake of somebody else. What is joy? Happiness? See, the difficulty of happiness is happiness changes based on your situation. But joy, I believe this, joy is the foundation of joy is when it's in God. Because guess what happens? Even though a situation changes, God doesn't change. And so for me, joy is having a positive outlook. Even in your situations that seem hard, you have a positive outlook, which leads to kind of a difference in your face. Many of us, when things go bad, we go bad. Love, joy, peace. What is peace? Staying calm. I think many of us, when, when something happens, we react. And peace is learning how to have a peace inside of you, a calmness inside of you. What's the next one? Patience. Whoops, what is patience? I already put it up there. Ah, gosh, right? Not reacting quickly, right? I mean, you think like being patient in a situation is not reacting, but being patient in a situation is waiting. Like, I don't have to react quickly. I trust that God is working. Like all of these, if you recognize, are rooted in God. God has already been like this towards us. God has been so kind. He's been so patient with us. And all we're doing is just being a reflection of that towards other people. So love, joy, peace, patience. What's the next one? Kindness. What does it mean to be kind? Doing means you don't have to do for others, right? You are proactively doing, you know, the example I think from Scripture is when um, Jesus fed the 5,000. You know, the disciples said, we don't have enough food, send them home. And Jesus said, you feed them. You don't, there are certain things you don't have to do, like to the homeless man. You didn't have to do that, yet you did. That's kindness. She says kindness. Goodness. What is goodness? That's a hard one. That's a tough word. So what they say with goodness is generosity, being, being willing to be generous. And when we think of generosity, we think of it with our money, but that can be with many ways, with our time, with our strength, be generous. Goodness, gentleness. What is gentleness? 
soft-spoken and not rough, right? Being soft and not rough. Continue. Faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Trustworthiness. Like when you say something, you are committed to it, right? Your word means something. Faithfulness. Self-control. What is self-control? What I say is being willing to say no to yourself. I think for many of us, the lack of self-control is you're saying yes to me. When I see a dessert, it's like I want to gratify me. Self-control is saying no to me. And finally, what is humility? Considering others better than yourself. And as we begin to look at this list, this is a very extensive list, and it's a very difficult list. Can you agree with me? So my prayer is that we become the image of Christ. That we don't just hear these words, but this is an image of who Christ is. He encapsulated these things. You know, you think about it for a second. Like imagine Jesus, after he was crucified, what had the disciples done to him when, uh, on that night? What did the disciples do when all of those people came? Well, one fought and the rest ran away. So think about that. And even Peter, what did he do? He denied him how many times? Three times. And the first thing that Jesus does after this is what? When he saw the, they were fishing the whole night, what did Jesus have on the side of the shore? He had cooked some fish for them. The people who had deserted him didn't pray for him and even denied knowing him. Right? If someone did any of those, Judas, right? I mean, Judas, he didn't make the fish for, but... If anyone had done any of those things to us, we're not talking to them for two months. But to those people, the first thing Jesus did was cook for them. This is conviction to me. Because even when I have disagreements with certain people, right, <laughs> and I have arguments, the first thing I want to do is be mad at them. But maybe the first thing I do is cook for them, is to love them, is to be kind towards them, doing things you don't have to do. So I want to encourage you as you look at this list, right? Be intentional and be purposeful. So I'm going to give you three steps of how, how you can maybe grow. The first step is to pick one thing. When you look at a, a list of 10 things, it's like, okay, I want to do all of it. No, pick one thing and say, I want to just grow in my humility. I want to just grow in my patience. So in a, for a moment, just think for yourself, of the list of items that I had, pick one. I want that to be your focus for this week. Okay, we'll continue. So the first thing is I want you to focus on the one thing. Every day of this week, focus on that one thing. Don't make it too complicated. This is how growth happens. I've learned this. If you try to do too much, nothing happens. If you do one thing, maybe something happens. The next thing I want you to recognize, and recognize that it's a spiritual battle. All of these things are not just like you can use willpower to overcome. There's a verse that says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. So recognize that this world is established in a way that will push you against these things. Everything the world does right now says, take control. Everything the world says is, if you don't get your will, way be rough, right? But So we have to just get on our knees and say, God, I need your grace. Get in your knees, in your closet, and say, this is the one thing I'm working on, God, right now. Give me the grace. Quote scripture. This is something that we've heard here over and over, but I want to reiterate that. Quote scripture. 
So when I lack peace, I say, be still and know that I'm God. When I want to move, when I, I'm always wanting to move, and God is saying, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. If you have worry, recognize the scripture that talks about how Jesus calms the storm. Read that over and over. And maybe you lack kindness. Read those scriptures that says, when we were dead in our trespasses, he died for me. He loved me. And as you start to say these things, our mental configuration changes. But that's, that's me getting on my knees in my closet, apart from everybody else, and getting with God. Because this is a spiritual battle. So recognize, and, and honestly, some of this will take fasting. You know, there was a story, there was a verse where um, the disciples were praying for someone and they couldn't heal. And Jesus comes and heals them in a moment. And the disciples asked him, why couldn't we? And he said, there are some demons that require you to fast and pray. So I want to encourage you, maybe, you, see, and here's the problem. We have okayed ourselves with all of these things. We have okayed ourselves with being impatient. We have okayed ourselves with not being humble. We had okayed ourselves with all of this that we don't see it's a big deal. But God sees it's a big deal. So get on your knees and say, God, I need help in this. God, I need your strength. And fasting is not, hard, is not easy. That's where the strain comes. Because you have, to, you have to humble yourself and say, God, I need your grace in this. And not eating is hard. But that's the strain that I think leads to the growth. So the first thing is pick one thing. Second thing is engage in the spiritual. And finally, take practical steps. <laughs> and I have a picture of a father about to beat his son. Because disciplining is kind of what I'm getting at the idea. Paul said, therefore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. And so you recognize that there's a spiritual component to this, and there's a, there's a real component to this. That in your day-to-day -day life, there are things that you can do to change yourself. Like you have to make a plan. If you are an impatient person and you react and you have a roughness with your words, come up with a plan. That might mean like the second you're getting mad, walk away. You have to come up with a plan on Sunday that when I get upset, walk away. Get away from the situation. Like Joseph fled, you have to flee from the situation. Right? There are practical steps that you can take. Talk about accountability. You know, maybe it's like you, are, you get frustrated. Reach out to a friend and say, hey, I'm really frustrated or I'm impatient right now or I'm lacking peace right now. Could you pray for me? Accountability is some, that's a practical thing that will strengthen you to grow. And I say all this because um, in this last month, we did a sweets challenge. I don't know, you probably have heard us talk about this, but we went 30 days uh, with only getting to eat dessert once a week. And even for our snacks, our snacks could only be 10 grams of sugar or less, right? And so it was the coolest thing because after a month, my life is different now. The things I used to do are not what I'm doing anymore. And my prayer is that it stays because that's going to be good for my physical life. But what I recognize is we can do this in a spiritual sense. Just hold yourself accountable. And you know, one thing that helped us is um, anytime we ate a dessert after the first one, 
we have to pay $30 to the other people in the group. So anytime someone offered me like things, because even at school, they all always offer me. Someone brought, like, came around and brought donuts. And I thought to myself, is this worth $30 for this donut? <laughs> and I thought, no way, Jose. I can get almost two dozen donuts for $30. So let me just wait. <laughs> let me just wait. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so maybe you have to recognize, right, those things that you're doing are not worth it. And if you have to put some cheap thing like that, put a $5 goal on yourself. If I overreact, I have to give $5 to a charity. Man, once your money is hit, people are ready to change, <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> so understand that this is a, a spiritual thing, but it's also a practical thing. Like there is something that you have to come up with, a plan, and things that you have to do towards that. And here's the cool part, as you do these things, you become a different version of you. You become more and more the image of Christ. And that's the goal. As we take on the character of God, as we take on all of those things that we read, think how beautiful that would look. Think what kind of image we would be in this world. That when everyone is chaotic and everyone in your workplace is so not in the right headspace and you are at peace, what kind of light will you be? When everyone else is being mean to everyone and you're kind, what kind of light will you be? I'll end with one more story and I'll be done for today. But um, I was talking to one of my friends recently and he was telling me, I was asking like, you know, I wonder sometimes why people don't connect with me. Because I feel like I, I'm nice to everybody. I try to be nice. And even for the church, I thought, you know, I would, I would pray. I'm praying that God could use this for our generation. And he told me, you know, Sam, one thing that people have told me is that they think you're fake. And I was like, what? Yeah, and he's like, you're too nice. He's like, no one is that nice. <laughs> and so they say, you're, they think you're fake. I'm like, first of all, I was thinking, what is wrong with people? <laughs> Why do people think like that, first of all? <laughs> and really, honestly, it was crazy because it made me doubt myself. Like, I found that out, like, the day before your bridal shower. And so literally every person I was talking to, I was like, do they think I'm fake? Like, while I, while I was talking to them, I was like, I'm just trying to be nice. I'm trying to be myself. But then I paused and I thought, when you walk like Christ, you're not like this world. You are so different. I've come to peace. We are meant to be weirdos. We are, like, imagine we are the image of Christ, this person who gave up his life for others. That's weird. But that's amazing. Because I recognize this. I may not be for all those people who think I'm fake, but I'm meant for someone. When someone's in darkness and when they're lost, the kindness I have can bring them light. And that's our hope, that we can at least bring somebody to know God through our lives. So that's my prayer for us today. I start with where I end. What is the point of this church? We want to grow. We want to intentionally strain ourselves and grow closer and closer to God. And the way that we're going to in this next week is in our character. Take one thing in your character that you say, hey, right now I need to grow in this and engage in the spiritual battle and engage in the practical steps. Recognize you need to get on your knees, but you also need to come up with a plan. You need to fast maybe, but you also need to put a punishment on yourself. Because as much as this is a spiritual thing, this is also a practical thing that God can give you the wisdom on how you begin to change yourself. And as we do this, here's my hope. We look more and more like Christ.
that when people see us, truly, the verse comes to mind, you are the light of the world. Right? When people are in darkness, you are the light of the world. And our prayer this week is that as we go, that we look, in more, look more and more like Christ wherever we go. That in our workplaces, in our homes, people would stop to see, stop seeing you and they would see the Christ living in you. He is worthy of all of our praise.